0: Chapter 15, Protection Leah sat on the edge of the bath as rusty water thundered into the tub. The bathroom smelt of lavender and rust. There was an antiquated toilet with a chain suspended from a water tank above and a cast-iron bath, big enough for a child to swim in, Standing on claw-footed legs, as though about to trundle across the room, it had hairy fetlocks and the air of a large and self-willed family pet. Opposite the washbasin was a shelf with a row of ceramic ewers above and chamber pots below. The curtains were cheerful and faded pink, and the wallpaper, although peeling from the wool, was patterned with rosebuds. Nothing really bad, she assured herself can happen in a room with rosebud wallpaper. The cockroach, or one very like it, crawled from under the washbasin and scuttled across the room. Leah breathed a sigh of relief. She was beginning to think of the insect as a smaller, less attractive version of a canary in a coal mine. Whatever had passed her in the corridor outside, the cockroaches hadn't liked it either, and they had reacted faster than she could. As the bath filled, Leah explored the bathroom, in search of ammunition against an undefined foe. There was a wooden cabinet on the wall, locked but with the key in place, packed with old-fashioned remedies. Camphor, ammonia, hippo and squills, a jar of bath salts and a sulphur candle. I could burn sulphur to clear the air, she thought, but the cockroaches wouldn't like it. The cockroaches were her friends. She threw a handful of bath salts into the water and watched the pink crystals dissolve. Leah floated like a starfish. It was the only bath since childhood in which she could remember being able to stretch her length. The water was hot, but the cast iron beneath it was cold to the touch. She sank below the surface, and her hair drifted around her face like seaweed, as very gradually the coldness soaked from her bones. By the time Kit knocked on the bathroom door, she was washed and dressed. Are you in there? Leah unlocked the door and opened it wide enough to pull Kit into the room. She slammed the door behind her and locked it. Kit looked at her astonished. She smelled of fresh bread and garlic. Is this house haunted? Leah demanded. Kit opened her mouth, then closed it again. There was something in the corridor, Leah insisted. Did you see anything? I felt it, Leah shuddered, and I can't get rid of the feeling. I had a bath and everything, but it's like when you get something on your shoe and you can't wash it off. She clenched her teeth to stop her chin from wobbling. Sweetheart, Kit said, come here. She was very much shorter than Leah, but she stood on tiptoe to put her arms around her neck. Gingerly, Leah returned the hug. Kit's breasts felt wonderful pressed against her, but Leah wasn't certain what kind of a hug it was, or even what kind of a hug she wanted it to be. She stepped away, a hot, angry tear ran down her cheek. Kit wiped it away with a finger. You poor pet. Are you okay? Leah sniffed. Not really. Like, first I crashed the car and now this. What happened? Talk to me. They sat down on the edge of the bath. Kit took Leah's hand and held it in her lap while she listened. When Leah had finished, Kit took a deep breath. Nothing like that has ever happened to us. Would you mind if we told my dad? He might be able to help. He's good that way. Leah recalled the alacrity with which the sheepdog had responded to John Reardon's command. Dinner was new potatoes, roast mutton and fresh herb salad. None of it appeared to have been tinned, freeze-dried or otherwise preserved, but Leah, mindful of her earlier faux pas, appreciated the food in silence. John Reardon listened attentively to her story. Anything like this ever happened to you before? Leah chewed on a muscular lump of mutton and swallowed. Never. I work with old buildings all the time, and I'd often get a sense of the people who used to live there, but it's never been a problem. It's it's like decorative plaster work. It belongs to the past, and you have to treat it with a bit of respect, but it's not out to get you or anything. And that, John Reardon jerked a thumb in the direction of the upstairs corridor, was out to get you. Yes, said Leah, the cockroaches didn't like it either, but they got away. John Reardon laid a rib bone on the side of his plate. It's been a while since we had someone new in the house. Kitty and I don't upset the balance of things. Your job is to make changes, or at least that's how I understand it. He put his plate down on the floor, where the dog who had been waiting attentively, immediately set to work, and pushed back his chair. Kitty, would you light the lamp? Kit adjusted the wick of one of a row of kerosene lamps, lit it and replaced the glass. The lamp burned with a soft flame. Leah followed John Reardon down the dank passageway into the main hall. It looked different at night. The pillars cast long shadows in the lamplight, and the air was cold and still. It felt like a pond in which years of sediment had settled. John Reardon stood in the centre of the courtyard and raised the lamp so that a pool of light fell around them. He looked around the room, shining the light into the corners so that it glinted on the gilded frames of portraits, the carved busts of ancestors on their plinths and the enormous empty fireplace. John Reardon put a massive hand on her shoulder. He smelt of shaving lotion and freshly turned soil. Leah felt a faint magnetic tug. He held the lamp steady, his face impassive but the shadows behind the columns seemed deeper now. Something is happening, thought Leah, only I don't know what. Very gradually she became aware of the expansion of his personality. It spread around him like a force field, filling the seen and unseen spaces of the house with a that was neither good nor bad, but simply there. Whatever was lurking in the shadows knew that she was under his protection. Afterwards, Leah had no idea of how long this moment lasted. Then John Reardon gave her shoulder a gentle squeeze and stepped back. She followed him down the corridor, her head swimming with tiredness. Come on, said Kit, bedtime. I'm next door to you in Libra, so you can knock on the wall if you want anything. They walked up the corridor in silence, but there was nothing untoward, and Scorpio was as welcoming as a cold country house bedroom could be. Leah paused in the doorway. Did you ever hear of a housemaid called Peggy Shine? She was here in 1919, but she got pregnant and had to leave. Kit thought about it. I don't think so, but Dad might know something. The Reardon's here go way back. She was my great-great-great-great-grandmother. Leah bit her lip. When Ethan Blake showed me the photos of the house, it felt weird, like I'd seen it before. And then I found out that I had seen it before. There are photos of Peggy Shine here, in the garden at Carmoyle. I used to look at them when I was small. What happened to her? She married a dentist, but she kept her baby. Kit leant forward and kissed her on the cheek. Maybe it's a good thing you're here. I don't believe in coincidences. Sleep tight. Leah sat on the edge of the bed and held her hand to her cheek. It was too cold to stay out of bed for long. Kit had left a jug of water and a glass by the bedside and a chamber pot under the bed. Leah offered silent thanks. There was no way she was venturing down the corridor in the middle of the night. Ghosts can't actually hurt you, she reminded herself. But another part of her mind was unconvinced. Too agitated to sleep, Leah scanned the bookshelf for something distracting and pulled down a slim volume of verse, Carmoil, or The Old Home. The poems had been written in the late 19th century and had not aged well, but, as Leah leafed through the pages, something jogged her memory. It was the verse that she had seen on the gatepost at the bottom of the driveway. She climbed between the covers and read the rest of the poem. That dear old brown house with its ivied keep Haunted by ghosts and grim and dismal tales The home of countless birds and bats and snails And ghastly, unaccomplished sounds that steep In dread delight, young hearts too proud to weep There in the autumn eve when twilight fails And ivy boughs tossed to the soughing gales From mouth to mouth, old stories banish sleep The red lips chill, but cry for more and more, and through the leaves the raindrops sob and pour. A sound goes creeping through the hollowed walls. It moans and weeps, then dreadful silence falls, and through dark ways with swift and fearful tread and startled eyes, the young ones haste to bed. Leah shuddered. Victorian Gothic was really not her thing. On the other hand, it was good to know that she wasn't the first person to be frightened by the house. No wonder it was hard to sell. But, reading on, she realised that the poems described an earlier building, presumably the predecessor of the one she was in now. There was certainly no green and ancient tower in the contemporary version of Carmoyle. She located her hot water bottle and pressed it to her chest. As she went to sleep she thought of Kit's warm body curled under the duvet on the far side of the wall.